Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who, like myself, also got to see LaMelo Ball play live. His name is Brandon Siegel. How are you doing today? Yeah. Yes, I'm doing well. Uh, we got to see him play live together, which was actually a, a very neat experience. They played, it was when he was at Spire Academy, they played uh, Cleveland Heights, or who did they play? They played Brush, that game. Brush, we saw him play Brush, uh, which was a very good game. Um, Brush had uh, the guy that went to Pitt. Uh, what was his name, Trevor? John Hughley, yes, he is going to be a freshman John at Hughley, Pittsburgh. Yes, sir. yes. Um, so that was a really, really good game. We got to see Rocket Watts, which was fun. Um, J.C. Jackson, J.C. Jackson? Um, oh, Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson. Jason Jackson. Jackson's on the Patriots. <laughs> uh, who he's going to Kentucky, I believe. Um, so we we got to see a lot of good people in that game. It was a very fun game to watch. Uh, and you know, it'd be kind of cool to say that we got to see the number one overall pick, potential number one overall pick play, uh, which is really really cool. Um, of course, the uh, other member of our podcast here with us today is Ben O'Brien. Ben, how you doing? I'm just doing fantastic. I'm ready to go. We got some. Uh... Some interesting topics to talk about today. I'm, I'm always ready here on this fine Sunday. I guess I can say Sunday afternoon at this point. <laughs> we aren't quite on... Uh, yeah, actually, we are on Sunday afternoon at this point. We're, we're, we're there. But let's get into the episode here. And you know what? We're going to go right over to our golf expert. We have the Masters this weekend. Um, ben, so give us a little bit rundown on the Masters and some of the thoughts you've had. Yeah, so first off, I would definitely not consider myself a golf expert. Um, if I'm if somebody's an expert, I feel like they should not be shooting in the 90s consistently. So by no means would I ever consider myself a golf expert. But I, I do say I watch a decent amount of golf, and I've watched a good amount of the Masters. I'm currently watching right now as I'm speaking into this microphone. Um, and it's it's been interesting. I mean, the Masters is always it's always the biggest golfing event of the year. Typically, it's because it's the first major tournament of the year. It's in April. Typically, it's right when golf is um, becoming. You know, it's, the summer's ramping up. Golf is ramping up too. So this year being November, it's just different. I mean, obviously there's no fans there. The course is a little bit more gettable because um, the conditions are a little different. It's cooler than it usually is. Um, obviously a big problem we've seen is it gets darker. It gets dark at like 5, 5.30 now. So, I mean, they started this round at 10 a.m. this morning. Typically the leaders don't start till like mid-afternoon, 2, 2.30. Um, but it's been interesting. It's been an interesting tournament. Obviously the big the big storyline is Dustin Johnson. He, he came out to – or he got out to a huge lead yesterday – and the storyline today in the final round on Sunday is can he hold on? I mean, currently he's on the 10th hole. He's up two strokes. Um, I mean, and this is no surprise. Dustin Johnson consistently has been one of, if not the best player in the world for the last four or five years. And it seems like every major tournament, he's always up there. You don't ever see him kind of have a terrible start in a, in a major tournament. Um, he's always up there at the top of the leaderboard. And it's super interesting. I mean, th- again, the storyline is can he hold on? And the people chasing him, it's a lot of young people. I mean, you got... For instance, the person in second place right now is Cameron Smith, the Australian. It's only his fourth time ever playing at the Masters. And then you got two or three people right after him. It's their first time playing at the Masters. First time ever playing at Augusta. So it's just interesting. You have this pro, this, this dude that's been pro for 15 years now, um, you know, 35, 36 years old, and there's a bunch of 20-somethings chasing him. Um, so it's super interesting. It's, it's definitely entertaining. Um, I'm, I intend to watch until the very end, the next two or three hours. Um, my prediction is that I, I do think Dustin Johnson will ultimately hold on just because I think the experience comes into it. Putting's a huge factor to Augusta. It's the most important thing. And Dustin Johnson has an edge in putting just because he's he's so good all around and specifically putting. So um, I'm excited to watch. I, I, I mean, Like I said, I love the Masters. I think it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite sporting events to watch in the entire year. That's the, the most beautiful golf course in the world, in my opinion. Uh, it's fun to watch. So, I mean, do you, I know you guys don't watch a ton of golf, but I'll start with you, Brandon. Brandon, you got anything to say about the Masters? Anything to say about Augusta National Golf Course in general now that I've gotten you back into golfing a little bit this past uh, this past year or so? 
Yes, that that is true. I, I have gotten a lot more uh, into golf. I actually was at the range yesterday, which might be the last time in a uh, very sunny Cleveland, Ohio. But about the Masters, you know, it's it's nice to to be able to play this tournament. You know, obviously we weren't able to play it earlier. It's nice to get this one out. I know that the uh, kind of my one little tidbit on the Masters. Um, I haven't watched a lot of, but I know John Rahm. Um, one of the days he had a putt towards the end, and it was like pitch black, and he did it the next day. He was like, I just couldn't see it. You know, I literally could not see the whole, and it was like a six-foot putt. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to see how the different conditions, uh, playing in November versus playing in April, have played on the players and how, you know, they kind of reacted to those situations, which is very interesting. Uh, Trevor, wrap us up. Any final thoughts on the Masters before we get into our uh, next topic of small talk? Yeah, so, you know, I got into golf when I was in high school, I think a senior in high school. I think that was when Jordan Spieth came in second in the Masters. That was, like, the first tournament where I felt like I was watching, like, I watched, like, Saturday and Sunday, and I watched a lot of it. Um, and since then, I've I've enjoyed watching it. Not all the time, but I definitely always tune in for these big tournaments, especially the Masters. So I watched a little bit yesterday. I've watched a little bit this morning, and... You know, I always like to see, like, some of the bigger names. Obviously, we know um, how big of a name Tiger is. He's the biggest name. Uh, There's a lot of golf fans that watch almost specifically for him. And unfortunately, after playing well, I think, on the first day, uh, today he hasn't had that great of a day. I think he's now at um, plus three, it looks like, uh, unless it's been updated since then, which now he's fallen back. He was tied for 20th earlier. Um, But then also, like, Jordan Spieth, he's the guy I root for since... Uh, my senior not playing that well. Rory McElroy is kind of in there, but again, it is still kind of like everyone's chasing Dustin Johnson right now, and he's just playing at such an elite level. He shot a 65 yesterday, shot a 65 in round one, so it's going to be tough to catch him. It looks like Cameron Smith's probably the only one who has a good chance uh, with only two shots back, but I agree with Ben. I think Dustin Johnson probably will take it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I always like watching the Masters. It's like a very like, you, you know, you could just sit back on a Sunday and chill and watch the Masters. So it's, yeah, I, I enjoy it. 100% of course. So let's get to our next topic of small talk. Um, and that is we have Chet Holmgren. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And Amani Bates. They just faced off on Thursday, I believe, or Friday. Mm-hmm. Thursday. Um, Thursday. Um, so we had the number one overall prospect in the junior class, number one overall prospect in the senior high school class. Um, we know Amani Bates is committed to Michigan State, uh, where Chad has not officially committed quite yet, even though he is a senior and Amani Bates is a junior. Um, so, of course, we're going to go to our high school basketball specialist, Trevor Reddick. Trevor, what are some things you picked up from this game? Yeah, so from this game, um, obviously we know both of these guys, they're very elite players. Um, you, I could, you could potentially see both of these guys actually going uh, in the top three. Amani looks like a, a number one pick whenever he goes to the draft. Chet, maybe. I mean, who knows? He might be two at this point. I mean, both of them are just insanely, just the potential is limitless. Now with Amani Bates, we've kind of been hearing about him for the last year or so. He, he's only a junior. He's the number one pick. There have been the Kevin Durant comparisons. We've talked about him on previous episodes. In this game, he had 36 points, 10 rebounds on uh, 50% shooting. You know, the, the, However, their team did lose to Chet's team, uh, Team Sizzle. Um, and Holmgren was uh, fantastic. You know, I, I think he kind of surprised me a little bit because I knew he was good, right? Obviously, he is. he's the number one ranked player in the senior class, whereas Amani's the number one in the junior class. And Chet was even better than what I thought he was. He had 31 points, 12 rebounds, and six blocks 
on 13 of 18 shooting. Now, it's crazy because Chet, like, I think the term, like, unicorn gets thrown around a lot, but, like, Chet truly is one of the, the few people that I feel like is actually, like, deserving of that label because he's a seven-footer who can, you know, pull up for threes in transition. He can block shots, and then he has, like, a quick... He, he's able to recover so quickly. Like if he's, you know, guarding, you know, someone who's driving in the lane, then they dump it off to the big man. He's quick enough to recover and sometimes block a shot. We saw that a couple times in this game. So I, I was really impressed by him. I mean, Amani Bates, obviously we know what he can do, um, especially on the offensive end. Defensively, uh, there were a couple possessions. And again, he's, he's a junior in high school. Um, you know, he has to carry the load on offense. But there was some of the possessions I just noticed, like I – I was hoping maybe for a little bit more defensively from Money Bates, but regardless, still both of these guys are fantastic um, as far as like you know going pro and as far as like what they need to I guess improve at. Like Chet, I think definitely one of the things that he needs to do is probably bulk up a little bit. Um, I'm not even sure if he's 200 pounds and he's seven foot, so if, I don't know if he's going to play the four or the five in the NBA, but especially if he's going to play the five and even the four, he needs to bulk up. And then Amani definitely looks like uh, there's some defensive things there that he needs to work on. Um, but regardless, just very fun to watch two of the best players in high school match up. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I watched a little bit of the highlights. I didn't get to catch the game. Um, but you know, I, I agree. I kind of agreed with you. I, I always thought Amani was a, you know, kind of the better prospect, but Chet looks really good. I mean, I'm hoping he goes to Michigan. It'll be nice to see him join Jawan Howard as they, they just got a, a booming class, probably the best class they've ever really gotten there. Um, two five-stars, lots of four-stars, lots of guys in the top 50, 60 players. So I'm excited for that. I'm hoping that he uh, will come join them uh, this year. But you know what? Or next year. We'll have to see. We'll have to see about that. Uh, ben, any final thoughts on these two before we get to small talk trivia? Yeah, so I think it's interesting because I've heard a lot about Imani Bates, mainly from you two. Um, one, I didn't, I didn't realize he was—he's still only a junior, so he's still super young. And I—I've yeah, heard a lot about him for probably a year now, so at least since he was a sophomore. So it's kind of crazy that he is still only a junior. He's still got another two years essentially in high school. Um, but this Chet guy, this Chet Holmgren guy, I had never like—I had maybe heard his name, but I really had never watched him play until recently. And, like, I remember the first time I saw him play, I was like, there's no way this scrawny seven-foot kid, like, there's no way he's the best player in the country. Uh, and he's the real deal. I mean, obviously, he's ranked number one in the country for a reason because he just he is just that. I mean, he's amazing. Uh, the way he attacks the rim is phenomenal. He can kind of do everything. I mean, he's a seven-footer, but he can shoot threes. Obviously, he's a force defensively. He's blocking people left and right. Uh, he's, a, he's a monster on the board. So I, I do think I think he's the real deal. I agree with both of you guys. Um, I'm super excited to see these players hopefully play both of them play in college um I, I, I never know never know what people do with the ncaa but mm-hmm. i'm excited to see hopefully this chet guy play in college uh next year because i think college basketball will be extremely exciting with wherever he goes because all the schools that are on his list still um maybe other than minnesota i'd be cool with him going pretty much to any of those schools because it would be uh they'd be pretty good programs regardless so i think the future is bright for basketball in general with these two uh leading the way in the coming years Yes, 100%. I, I agree. And we have a lot of great prospects coming out, of course. Bronny James, Mikey Williams. Um, so basketball is in good hands moving forward. Um, but to end small talk today, we got a very short small talk. Um, we're going to, of course, do small talk trivia. This is where we each ask each other a question. Uh, we have a running scoreboard uh, in terms of points. I think it is 36 to 33. Is that correct, Trevor? Yes, correct. 
Awesome, of course. So, would you like to go first? I, I feel like you might want to go first with your question today. All right, I'll, I'll go first then. Um, so, Ben gave me this question. It, it is a good one. I thank you, Ben, because sometimes I have trouble coming up with uh, good questions, and Ben gave me one. So, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get two points here because there are two answers to this question. Um, so, with that being said, the question is, what school, what college football school has the most offensive linemen drafted into the NFL since the year 2000. So in this century, um, what school has the most offensive linemen drafted? And uh, it is a tie between two schools. So if you get both schools, you get two points. If you only get one, then you get one point. Obviously, if you get neither, then it's, it's zero points. Okay, so I have an idea. Um, I have an idea between what two schools it would be. Um, one of them, I, I, these aren't final guesses. Well, there's a couple of scores that I think it could be. Wisconsin, Notre Dame are like the top two that come to my mind, but USC could also be in there. Um, and I feel like, um, those both could be good. I know Ohio State's had a lot. Um, but the question is, you know, who, who has it been since 2000? Um, so I, I, I do, I really, and I, I won't even make this too long. I truly do believe that it's Wisconsin and Notre Dame. Um, I, I do have a feeling that it could be in Ohio State. It could be a USC, but I, I'm going to go with Notre Dame and Wisconsin. I feel like those. So do, do I have to get both of them to get two points, or can I get one and get one point? You can get one and one point, yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll submit a Notre Dame and Wisconsin. I'm fairly certain about Wisconsin, and I'm, I'm pretty sure about Notre Dame, but not quite as sure as my Wisconsin choice. So Wisconsin, Notre Dame, final answer. Okay, so... I will say Wisconsin is correct. Wisconsin is uh, tied with the other school. Another school is not Notre Dame, though. Notre Dame um, has a lot of offensive linemen drafted in the history. In fact, I think they are number one overall. But since 2000, um, they've not been quite as uh, um, at the top as far as uh, drafting offensive linemen. The other team is Alabama. The other USC? No, the other is Alabama. Oh, it's Alabama. So you get one point for that. Still a good result. Uh, Yes, Alabama and Wisconsin. I'll definitely take my point. Okay, so I have a kind of a difficult question for you today, Trevor. I'm only offering one point. It's it's pretty simple and straightforward. So other than LeBron James, I should also say before I say my question, Ben also gave me this question, so big, big props to him for you know, both the questions today. And honestly, your question was a great one. So this this is a good one, too. Um, so other than LeBron James, who is the highest drafted uh, Mr. Basketball in Ohio winner since the beginning, since the award began in 1988? So what player was drafted the highest that won the Mr. Basketball in Ohio? Besides LeBron James, of course, he went first overall pick in the 2003 draft. Um, who was who the next highest drafted player? Okay, so you said Mr. Basketball started in 1988, so I have about 32 years to go off of. So in the last 32 years, that's Mr. Basketball. And who is the next highest drafted player? Um, since LeBron James, that was Mr. Basketball in Ohio. So um, if I think about, you know, some of the best high school pro- high school basketball players to come out of Ohio that also were drafted high in the NBA, it doesn't necessarily mean that they had great pro careers. It's just who was drafted highest. So yep. Correct. I, I don't want to limit it, right, to... I don't want to specifically limit it to amazing pros. Now we know, so I don't know if CJ McCollum won Mr. Basketball. I, I, I don't know that at all. Obviously he was drafted pretty highly. 
um, and he is very good now in the NBA. And he's from Canton, so that's just just one name. Um, but I don't even know if he was Mr. Basketball in Ohio that year, which it would have been like I think like 2009, I want to say, or something like that. So CJ McCollum's an option. He was drafted, I believe, in the top 10. Um, now, other than him, uh, let's see. I I don't know. I don't know if Darius Miles is from Ohio. Um, well, no, because he, he got drafted to the Cavs, too. Maybe that's why I'm making that connection, but I have no idea if he's actually from Ohio. So that name just came to my mind because he was with the Cavs, and he was drafted high, but I don't even know if he's from Ohio. So um, other guys, let's see. What are some other great prospects out of Ohio, Mr. Basketball? Um, recently, it's, it's hard to think of. I don't really think there are many recently that could come up. Um, oh man, this is tough. Um, wow, I guess like, so Greg Oden, he's from, wait, I think, I don't know if he's from Ohio or not though, but Greg Oden obviously was drafted number one, and then Mike Conley as well was drafted high. I don't even remember, they might be from Indiana, I'm not sure. They're either from Indiana or Ohio because they played on the same AU team is Mark Titus, who's from Indiana. So I don't remember, but those are two options right there. Um, other than that, it's it's pretty tough. I'm going to have to come up with an answer here. So could be CJ, could be Mike Conley, could be Greg Oden. Those are like the three top options, I think. Um, there's no one else that's really coming to my mind. So I'm, I'm going to, geez, I don't know, man. I'm going to go with my gut here, and I'm going to say that uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Greg Oden. I'm, I'm going to say, I don't even know if he, he might have been from Indiana, but I'm going to say Greg Oden because I don't know for sure. Final answer? Yeah. So Greg Oden is not the right answer, and actually you weren't even that close. I don't think you named anyone who won Mr. Basketball in Ohio. Um... But I thought it would have been Trey Burke. That would have been my guess. Uh, he was a high pick, one. so he actually went ninth overall in the 2013 draft. He was not the correct answer. Ben, who would you have guessed before you knew I, the answer? I probably my recency bias would have probably come out. I probably would have guessed Luke Kennard just because I can remember Luke Kennard in That's high school. Who I, thought you would guess. I remember him going first round to the Pistons, went to Duke. So I probably would have guessed mm, Luke Kennard. Twelfth overall. Yeah, that's true. So uh, that also would have been a good answer, but it's not correct. The actual correct answer is OJ Mayo. He went number three overall to the Timberwolves in the first round. He went to USC, of course, and he went to North College Hill High School. Won Mr. Basketball in 2005 and 2006. Um, I didn't even know. I definitely would not have gone there. I didn't even know he was from Ohio. I really did not know. I didn't either. He's from Cincinnati. Come on. That's why we don't know. It's on the other corner of the state. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, good questions today. Thank you, Ben, for those. Um, and let's get into our next topic. Uh, well, I guess next, not next topic, next game, I guess you could say, which is randomly ranked. This is where we take a completely random topic and rank it. It's very self-explanatory. Um, if you do have any randomly ranked ideas, please submit them because, you know, we like to hear your ideas. And also, these are very difficult to come up with. So, let's get right into it. Today, we have an interesting one. I came up with this one. I'm pretty proud of it. Well, I didn't come up with it. I found it. shouldn't say I come up with it. Um... I feel like that's that's insulting to some of the ones Ben has actually come up with that have been very good. 
Um, but today we're doing types of muffins. Now, we got a lot of good muffins out there, and obviously on this podcast, we like food a lot. Um, but I'm going to start off today, uh, and I'm going to have a pretty popular top three, I think. I think we'll all have very similar top threes. Um, and as I'm looking at like this muffins list, there's not a lot of good muffins on this list. However, these top three are all great muffins. Starting off with number three, I have the OG blueberry muffin. Everyone likes a blueberry muffin. I mean, they're not bad. I'm not a big fruit or vegetable guy. Uh, definitely don't like fruits that much, but I love a good blueberry muffin. I mean, it's a sugar in there pretty much. Number two is, yeah, I want to point out number one and two are in their own tier, and number three is kind of in the tier below, so these are going to get more of an explanation here. Number two, we have the OG chocolate chip muffin. I mean, who doesn't like a good chocolate chip muffin? I had to put something chocolate in here, whether it's a double chocolate uh, muffin, uh, but the chocolate chip muffin, I think, has to take that two spot. And the number one muffin, and really, it's not like super close. It's, I guess it's kind of close, but the number one muffin is by far the best, is the coffee cake muffin. Now, I am not a coffee fan, but to me, this muffin tastes nothing like coffee at all. It is so, so good, so sugary. We got a lot of cinnamon in there. It's really such a great muffin. It's the one that I get every single time um, from uh, Dunkin' or basically anywhere I can go that has these. So the number one spot gets taken by the coffee cake muffin. Trevor, what are your top three favorite muffins? All right, so um, mine are pretty straightforward. I'm going to start off number three with the blueberry muffin as well. I mean... I don't think you can, and I know you, you, you're a little bit more picky than me. I think most muffins are great. I mean, most muffins to me on this list are great, but blueberry is just in another uh, level from some of the other ones. Now, obviously, I have two ahead of it, but blueberry is it's just incredible. Now, number two, I'm going to go also with a, a normal chocolate chip muffin. Chocolate chips are great on most and probably all desserts. I mean, I, I, I don't think... You can't go wrong putting chocolate chips like an ice cream or and like on a cake or muffins, brownies, like chocolate chips are great. So they're also good in muffins. Number one, now I'm going with a very specific muffin. It is a like a chocolate chocolate chip muffin. So it's a chocolate muffin uh, versus a, a normal muffin that, that would have been with the chocolate chip or the blueberry. And then it also has chocolate chips. Now there's a, there's a brand, I believe it's Otis Spunkmeyer, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, where they have amazing muffins, and I just remember, like, like anytime I feel like I've, like, had breakfast at, like, a hotel, or even, like, uh, even, like, in other places, like, they always have Otis Spunkmeyer, and the chocolate, chocolate chip muffins are just amazing. So I had to put that at number one, um, and that's my top three. Pretty straightforward, but those are all fantastic. Hundred percent. So Ben, we'll leave it off to you. What are your top three favorite muffins? So I'm sensing some themes here, um, and maybe those themes are just that we all three have similar muffins in our top three, which makes sense. That there are some clear, um, I think, top shelf muffins in the muffin industry. I guess I could say. Okay. So you'll, there are definitely some similarities between all three of our lists. But I'll start off with my number three. My number three is coffee cake muffin. Okay. Brandon, you put it at number one. That's bold. That's bold to put it at number one. I do think it's good. Definitely my top three. But I, I, I went ahead and put it at number three just because I feel like the two in front of it are more um, superior. They're more elite, I guess I could say. My number two is chocolate chip muffin. Chocolate chip muffin's phenomenal. Um, really, I mean, you put chocolate in anything, it makes it just slightly better. So, 100%. I mean, chocolate chips in a muffin, that's just like that's just a, a match made in heaven. It's perfect. Uh, you can't go wrong with a chocolate chip muffin. My number one is blueberry muffin mainly because it to me it's like kind of like 
it's like the standard of muffins. Like when I think of a muffin, the first thing I think of is like a blueberry muffin. It just seems like it's kind of like the original. Um, it just seems like it's kind of the standard for muffins, at least in my opinion. So I had to put blueberry at number one just because it kind of is like like the elite of the elite. Like it's just kind of like it's like the thing. It's the it's the number one thing I think of when I think of muffins is a blueberry muffin. Um, so I had to put it number one. I felt like it deserved the top spot on my uh, on my respective list. You know, I, I don't like the coffee cake take at three and the reason behind that, but I do like your reason for number one for blueberry, so I will accept it. But again, if anyone out there has any ideas for any of please submit them and tweet at us at the small ball on Twitter. The link is in the description. We'd love to see that. Let's get into some of our main topics today, though. And first up, uh, we we got to talk a little bit about the NBA draft. It's coming up soon. Trevor, when is the NBA draft? Do we know? Uh, it's uh, on Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Awesome. So the the draft is coming up very, very soon. Um, so this, will, I guess, is going to be our draft, uh, you know, preview essentially. So let's go to our draft expert here on the podcast. Uh, of course, everyone's favorite small baller, uh, Trevor Reddick. Trevor, why don't you give us a rundown of some of the prospects, who you like, who you don't, uh, and let's discuss it a little bit. Yeah, so I wouldn't call myself an expert, but but none, but nevertheless, um, you know, this is going to be kind of a shorter draft preview. Obviously, last year we had like. You know, it was the offseason from football, so we got to focus more. This one's going to be a little bit shorter, um, but nevertheless, and even though it's a weaker draft, I'm still pretty excited for it. So the first prospect I want to talk about, you know, it just just straight away, we're going to talk about LaMelo Ball because we both, Brandon and I, saw LaMelo Ball play live. And in that game, he really did not play that well. I think by, you know, if you would think of like a top three NBA pick and you watched him play that game when we watched him play, you'd be like, uh, this is like you'd even like consider like I'm not sure if he's an NBA player or not. Like I was like questioning that. Um, two, that was about two years ago, and now here he might be a number one pick. So when we saw him play, Lamelo, he, he looked like he was just kind of like out there having fun, you know, playing the game that he loves to play. He was trying to make a lot of like crazy passes that were kind of unrealistic. Like he would throw cross court passes. A lot of them would be stolen. Some of them wouldn't. Um, and it would result in like uh, a lot of oohs and ahs from the crowd, but some of them would just be like bad turnovers, or he would do like a careless behind the back that would just be taken back for like a fast break layup or something. And it happened pretty often in that game. And I don't even think he was, he wasn't really even shooting well either. Um, now, I think he's definitely turned it around. I think maybe we caught a bad game from him because he's still a great player. And the more and more I look at highlights or even watch games, the more I am starting to get convinced that LaMelo truly should be a top three player. Now, I watched uh, one of his games back last night because I, uh, like probably last fall, I did watch like, you know, bits and pieces here and there of him playing in the NBL. And one of the games I watched was where he had his first triple-double about a year ago on November 25th, 2019, playing against, I believe it's pronounced Cairns. Um, and he had 32 points, 13 and 11. And in this game, it really seemed like he had grown a lot as far as just, you know, his patience. Um, he still has that creativity. He's a very creative player and a, an exceptional passer. Um, when he is like fully focused and he's being patient and there was just so many uh, great passes I would see him make really setting up his teammates well even at the end of a game like even when Karen's made this comeback he was making some nice like drive and kick passes you know he's he's really incredible at doing that and he can make these one-handed like law passes down to the big man 
um, you know, on a, on a quick fast break off of a missed shot as well. And he's very accurate on those. Like the passes that Kevin Love, you know, would often make to LeBron, like those types of passes. And he's really incredible at doing those things. Um, now, I think some of the weak points, I think obviously number one is defense. And I think most people know that. Even if you haven't seen him play a ton, you've heard about how LaMelo Ball's defense isn't the greatest. Um, and, and it is, and it's definitely a point where he needs to work on. However, he's a very smart basketball player, and I do think um, he's intuitive enough to create some steals. Like, he, he knows, I think, where to be as far as positioning um, pretty well, but I think he, he's not, like, a super strong player, so it's, it's easy to, if you get a stronger player, and especially in the NBA, I think you'll see a lot of times where you know, he, he's just going to be able to not really guard some of these, like, stronger guards. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't even know what a good example would be. Um, but I think that's one point. And then another point is a lot of people talk about his shooting. And at first glance, you would look at his highlights and you think he's a really good shooter. But if you look at his efficiency numbers, he's really not the best three-point shooter um, in the NBL. He, he shot a percentage of 25% from three, 38% overall. So definitely needs to work on it. However, I still think with this draft that he is one of the better players, at least top five, maybe top three. I wouldn't say he's number one, but um, he definitely impressed me in some of the games I watched in the NBL. Just with his insane passing ability, which I believe is the single biggest skill um, of any prospect in the draft, is LaMelo's passing. So, um, Brandon, I want to get some of your thoughts on LaMelo as well. Yeah, so the one knock I have on him is his shooting. I think he'll be able to get it better as a defender. Uh, like, the article I have here says similarly to Lonzo. Well, Lonzo wasn't quite as good of a defender, but packed on a lot of weight, um, and that helped him improve against those bigger guards. You know, you could look at, like, a Russ or a Damian Lillard, someone who uh, is very forceful to the rim. He's not going to be such a great defender against that uh, in his current state. But it, the big thing is his shooting. He's not a great shooter. I know it seems like that, but he really isn't. I mean, he excels at many, many things in the game. Passing, uh, dribbling, the around-the-rim finishing. Uh, not finishing through contact necessarily, but around-the-rim finishing. And, of course, uh, you know, his ability to rebound, um, which he, he might be one of the best, uh, you know, guard rebounders. Even the first time he enters the league, he's really, really great at that. Um, the big thing is his shooting. He needs to improve his three-point shooting to become, you know, that complete guard. Um, and if that happens, he's going to be pretty dangerous. Uh, you know, as an overall, you know, draft class here, I really don't think it's that good. I don't see a ton of star potential in this draft class. You know, there's, there's going to be some good rookies, don't get me wrong. I might even be wrong, there might be some stars in the end. But I don't have nearly as much faith in this class. Um, and, you know, I know we're, we're about to get a little bit more into it. Um, but, you know, LaMelo in the game that we saw him at, he wasn't even the best player on the floor. I mean, he looked like he would be good in college, don't get me wrong. But he didn't look like he would be the number one overall pick or even a top 10 pick. You know, when you watch those guys play in high school, those types of guys, they're really, really, really dominant. Uh, and LaMelo just wasn't like that at all. You know, he, he was very, very good, but just wasn't quite as dominant as you'd think a top pick would be in the NBA. Um, so, Trevor, I'm going to throw it back over to you. Uh, tell us a little bit more about some other prospects and what you think about them. Yeah, so next I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a couple more guys. Um, and then at the end, I'm going to throw it to OB for Ben. But I'm going to go to Anthony Edwards because I still think Anthony Edwards should be um, probably the number one pick, or at least I think he's the best prospect that we have uh, in the draft. He would be number one on my draft board if I made one. Um, now, Anthony Edwards 
in college. I mean, he's just an incredibly gifted athlete, an incredibly gifted scorer. He can score at all three levels. And while, you know, kind of similar to LaMelo, he's not super efficient uh, as far as his shooting goes, he's able to score it well as far as at, at the college level. You know, playing against like competition like Michigan State, one of the best college basketball teams, he scored 37 points in an early season tournament. I mean, this was one of his first games in college last November, and he put up 37 against a really good Michigan State team. Um, you know, just shooting from three, mid range, getting to the basket. You know, and he's, he's such a strong guard and able to overpower other smaller guards and I think you know kind of the frame he has it's going to be definitely a good thing in the NBA I mean he's had comparisons to Victor Oladipo even Dwayne Wade um, two other guys that uh, Tom Crean coached just like Anthony Edwards so uh, you know I think Anthony Edwards definitely has the potential to be an all-star maybe I think he has probably the highest ceiling maybe out of any of these guys I mean Wiseman and LaMelo you can argue as well um, but I think he might have the highest ceiling just because of his athleticism and his scoring ability. Now, I do think like there are some questions um, about, uh, you know, just like the, the fact that his team was so bad, I think is number one. His team was really bad. There were a lot of moments where on defense, it doesn't seem like he was always giving his best effort, um, which it seemed like it kind of came and went. So I don't know. It's definitely some concerns. He isn't a surefire number one pick by any means. That's why I'm not super confident that he's going to be great, but I think he definitely has the potential to be um, an all-star. Now, James Wiseman, uh, he's the next one I'll go with. Now, James Wiseman, when you like just look at him and with, with the body he has and you watch him for a little bit, you would think, well, this guy should maybe be the number one pick. Um, just He's a seven-footer, 235 pounds. He can, he can like you know, he can shoot the three a little bit. He's not like an amazing three-point shooter, but he can shoot the three. And for a seven-footer, I mean, that's pretty impressive, although it's becoming more and more normal uh, in today's NBA. But James Wiseman definitely has a lot of potential. He averaged about 21 and 11 in the three games that he did play. Um, however, you know, I, I think like a good comparison that I see in James Wiseman is like maybe like a Marvin Bagley who... Uh, he was also a high pick. He was very good coming out of Duke, had a very good college career, where he also put up about 21-11. Very similar numbers. Play style's pretty similar. You know, they, they're good around the rim, but maybe they're not quite as strong in the paint as maybe they should be. Um, and Marvin Bagley's playing well, but, like, he, he's not one of these young guys that's being constantly talked about. Like, he's averaging, I think, 14-7 and seven or 14-8, and eight, which is good. But it's like, is Marvin Bagley ever going to be able to take the next leap? I think he's now played two or three years in the NBA, and we haven't seen it yet. So you wonder why Wiseman's going to go down the same path. I don't know. But he also has the ceiling um, to be better than that. Maybe, I, I think the ultimate potential is like a Chris Bosh type, where you know he's able to be like this good shooter, good shot blocker, um, and, and you know he can fit into a lot of teams in the modern NBA. So we'll see with him. I think he definitely should be a top three pick. It's just a matter of what team can he fit into. So then we have Obi, who um, I think Obi Toppin is pretty ready now to be a really solid player. I mean, I think he's 22. Um, am I correct on that, Ben? Is he 22 years old, I believe? Um, yes, he and, is 22. And, yeah, so he's obviously a little more, I think, 
like a finished product per se, not completely, but more so than the other three guys. Um, however, he doesn't have the same level of potential. He's already kind of, I think, going to step in and be like a really solid role player and maybe potentially could make an all-star game, maybe. Um, so, Ben, I'm going to throw to you on Obi because um, you have obviously watched him a lot at Dayton. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that Obi Toppin can offer to an NBA basketball team. Um, obviously, I think the biggest one and the most obvious one is his athleticism. He's extremely athletic. We saw that uh, for the last couple of years in college. Um, obviously, this past year, he was all over Sports Center at pretty much every game he played because he always had these athletic dunks. So, I think the biggest thing is his athleticism. He offers that right away to the table. First thing he'll, or right away, first game, you'll be able to see his athleticism. Um, another thing is he runs the floor really well. I mean, you see a lot of highlights. He runs the floor really well. He's a fast dude. He's got long strides. Uh, he can get down the court extremely fast. Now, a knock on that, I would say, and what I noticed that when he played at Dayton was a lot of times he's trying to get ahead of the fast break a little bit too early. So a lot of times he'll leave his teammates um, on defense to try to bolt down the court for an easy dunk. And that's cool when it gets the highlights. But in the NBA, that's just not going to fly because in the NBA, they're gonna, teams are going to need him to be able to rebound the ball. Um, he's not playing against a bunch of six six college kids anymore. He's playing against, I mean, the, the best players in the world. His team's going to need him to rebound the ball, and that's one thing I wish I saw more in college was I wish he was more physical um, because while he is athletic and he's got long arms, I just wish he would have used his athleticism and his length to his advantage um, defensively on the board. So that's one thing he's definitely going to have to work on is his, his physicality down low. Um, and something that, that kind of goes along with that is his physicality on defense in general. Um, his lateral quickness just isn't, isn't that great, honestly. Um, and it, again, it worked in college when he's playing against a, a bunch of you know mid-major college kids. But in the NBA, if he's ISOed, let's say he gets switched on to a Kyrie Irving or somebody, Kyrie Irving's gonna have no trouble going to the hoop on Obi Toppin. He's just got to work on his lateral quickness. It's not. It's just not there. It's not where it needs to be. Um, so he, I, again, I mean, he's a good player. I, by no means do I think he's the best player in this draft. I agree with Trevor. He might be the most NBA ready just because he's the most developed because he's 22 years old. But um, I wouldn't necessarily say he's the best player in this draft. I do think he'll probably go in that four, five, six range. Um, but I mean, obviously, I've seen I've seen him play a lot. I've I've seen a lot of his games. Pretty much every time he's touched a basketball, I've seen. Um, so I do think I mean any team will be happy to have him. Obviously, I've seen a lot of articles where teams are really high on him. Um, I really don't want him to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think he will ultimately. Um, I think the Cavs are a terrible, terribly ran organization. I would hate for him to go to an organization like that. I agree. But but ultimately, I think he will go to. Go to Cleveland. I think it'd be cool for him to stay in Ohio, but um, for his development, it might not be the best. But again, to sum it up, I, I think he offers a lot. Obviously, his athleticism um, above the rim, he's phenomenal. I just, I do think he needs to work on his defense, and that's not a secret. That's something that any anybody that's getting paid to talk about him will tell you that his defense obviously needs to improve if he if he's going to be um, hopefully an NBA All Star someday. So, I mean, that's all I really have to say about Obi Toppin. 100%. Yeah, I hope he does well for your sake, Ben. Any last thoughts here, Trevor, before we move on to predicting some NFL games? No, I mean, I thought that was great analysis from Ben. I agree the defense definitely needs some improvement rebounding as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, like I said before, I'm still excited even though it is a weaker draft. Of course, of course. All right, let's get to the NFL to wrap up the episode today, and uh, we'll, we'll predict a couple games. So what's the first game we're starting off with today, Trevor? And you can give our, your prediction on it. 
Yeah, so first I'm going to start off with the Bills and Cardinals. This is probably the game um, I'm looking forward to most. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, both two, uh, both young quarterbacks that have been uh, incredibly fun to watch this year. Um, I, I got to watch Josh Allen last week against the Seahawks. He was very impressive um, just all around. Um, in, incredible performance last week. And I, I think this will be a really interesting game. You know, Arizona's at home, although – uh, home field doesn't mean a ton this year, obviously, but this is the game I'm looking forward to most. I think, uh, I don't know, I think this one's really tough to predict. I'm going to go ahead and predict the Cardinals will win this one. I think they'll squeeze it out. I think that, you know, they have a very good uh, team. I think Kyler's been playing really well, uh, running and passing. His numbers, you know, for a second-year quarterback are very impressive. Um, and though Josh Allen's been very good, I think that, you know, uh, I mean, their defense is, they do have at least some issues, I think. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals on this one. I think uh, they're going to be able to get this one. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I got Cardinals by seven. I just think the Cardinals are better than the Bills, and the fact that it's at home for them uh, is even more of an advantage. Ben, what's your prediction on this game? Man, I was, I was hoping I'd be the only one that, that would predict the Cardinals to win, but I agree with you guys. I think the Cardinals are going to win this game. Um, obviously, the Bills are a good team. They're one, I think they're 100% the best team in their division. But, I mean, I think I, it was last week or a couple weeks ago, I talked about how impressed I am with Kyler Murray, and I think uh, Kyler Murray's been fantastic. I've been impressed with the Cardinals in general. Obviously, they have DeAndre Hopkins now. Um, but, yeah, I think the Cardinals are going to take this game. I think it'll be a close game, but I, I, I feel comfortable in picking the Cardinals to come away with the victory here. 100%. What's the next game, Trevor? What do we got on the uh, the list here? All right, so next up we got Seahawks and Rams. Now this game, divisional game, very interesting. Last week we saw, you know, the Seahawks, they gave up 44 points to the Bills. And with the Seahawks, the story is really like, yeah, Russell Wilson's amazing and the offense is incredible around him as well. But the defense just gives up a, a ton of points a game. And it's like, you know, Russell Wilson can, can only do so much. He can't play both sides of the ball. So... I think that's going to be, you know, tough. Uh, although the Rams have Jared Goff, who hasn't been that great this year. Um, you know, although, you know, there are some pieces he has around him. The defense is incredible for the Rams. So it's going to be interesting. I think really the, the Rams defense versus the Seahawks offense is what I'm really uh, excited to see. Because as far as the other side of the ball, I mean, you could see, although Jared Goff hasn't been great, he might be able to, to play well against the Seahawks defense that, has been uh, struggling, um, but really looking forward to seeing the Seahawks offense against the Rams defense. I am going to, you know, it, it's hard to pick against the Seahawks. I think the Rams could totally win, but I'm going to bet on Russell Wilson in this one because I feel like it's a little safer, and I'm going to say that the Seahawks do win this one, but it will be close. So I have the Seahawks by three. Uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game like every Seahawks game. Very, very great game that goes to the end. Uh, high scoring, and it'll be really, really fun to watch. So I'll get the Seahawks by three. I just trust Russell Wilson. He's got 28 touchdowns. Ridiculous. 2,500 yards at this point in time. And then only halfway through the season. I mean, he's on pace for 5,000 yards and over 50 touchdowns. So, you know, I, I got to put him up there. Um, and uh, I'll pick the Seahawks by three. Ben? So I want to pick the Seahawks, but I just don't want to be boring. I don't want to agree with both of you guys. And it, it, it was close. I didn't really know who to pick. So I'll go with the Rams. I'll pick the Rams in this game. Um, the Rams are 3-0 and at home. The Seahawks are 2-2 two and two on the road. So the Seahawks, both their losses are on the road. The Rams haven't lost at home. I'll, I'll continue that trend. I think the Rams will come away with the victory. Obviously, like Trevor said, Russell Wilson's amazing. 
Uh, it's no question he's better than Jared Goff, but I think Jared Goff's good enough. He could get it done against a Seahawks defense that's terrible. Um, so I, I just not to be super boring. I'll take I, uh, I'll take the Rams in this one, and definitely a close game. So our final game, I believe, is the Chargers Dolphins. Is that correct, Trevor? Yes. Yep. Awesome. So let's hear your prediction. Yeah, so with this one, this is another fun one. Um, the Dolphins are actually surprisingly very good. I mean, you know, you got Flores from that Patriots coaching tree. He's looking pretty good. Uh, the defense has been incredible. Um, against the Rams, they were very good. Against the Cards, they gave up a little bit more points, but they still managed to get a victory. And it's 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 kind of weird because, like, Tua, I think he, you know, he's only played a couple games now. He's, you know, he's just kind of starting to get the hang of things and he really hasn't had to do a ton but the one thing that he hasn't done is he hasn't made any mistakes really you know he's been um pretty pretty accurate um he hasn't had to throw a ton of balls um but he hasn't needed to the defense has been really good um and the dolphins have it's it's really interesting i think this dolphins team and um the chargers are also fun i think their record doesn't really it's not a good representation of how good they are they're two and six but they're close in a lot of these games, and I think their offense is pretty strong. Um, Justin Herbert has played very well as a rookie, um, you know. So going to be interesting to see this rookie matchup. But I got to go with the Dolphins here. I just think they've been very strong. Um, you know, they're more well-rounded. The Chargers also have some issues defensively, similar to like the Seahawks, for example. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins here, and I don't think this one will be quite as close as the other two games. I think they'll win by about ten points, or maybe even fourteen. So I'm actually going to swing the other way. I'm going to go with the Chargers by 10. Uh, Herbert's my fantasy quarterback, and I just want him to score a lot of points. And I have a lot of faith in him. He's, he's had a really, really, really great year. Um, so, you know, I think he's going to pull it off. Uh, the Chargers will finally get uh, They have all these close games, and the, their record's way better than it seems. Uh, I think the Chargers are a much better team. Shout-out to podcast alum uh, Avery Van Reith, who was on a couple episodes ago, who's a big Chargers fan. So I, I'm hoping for the Chargers to pull this one out. Um, I got them winning by 10. Ben? Finish it out for us. So I think I'm going to agree with Trevor here. I I think I think both quarterbacks are good. I, I think Justin Herbert's obviously really good. I think two is not bad. I mean, he, that small sample size, but I think he's. I, I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. Um, but I just think I think Justin Herbert's better in general. But I think two is on a better team. I just think the the Dolphins are a better team in general. Obviously, I've only seen the Cardinals really play one game, and it was the first game of the year against the Bengals. But in that game, the the Chargers looked absolutely terrible. They look terrible. The Bengals look like the better team, and the Bengals still lost the game. It's whatever. I'm not over it, but it's okay. Um, but I, I just don't think the Chargers are good. I think they're a pretty bad team. So although Justin Herbert's, I think, is better at the quarter, they're the better quarterback. I think Tua's got more weapons around him. Uh, I think the, I don't think it's ten points, but I think I'll say the Dolphins win by like seven. I'll say they win by a touchdown. So I do think the Dolphins will will edge out the the, uh, the Chargers in this matchup. Not too uh, too bad of a prediction. But I think that is where we will end today's episode. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Of course, we really, really appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast and, of course, follow us on Twitter at The Small Ball. The link is in the description. Um, we really appreciate that. So, you know, when all of our podcasts go live, um, we will have a new soccer podcast, The 12th Row, um, with Will and Josh on Monday, which will be quite awesome. So if you're a soccer fan, go check that one out. Um, but like I said, with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.